You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCart. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? I feel like it's a good month so far. Yeah? Yeah, October, favorite season, right? Spooky mm-hmm. season. My house looks great, and it smells great because I got the plug-ins. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, some sweatshirts and some jeans. It's definitely getting to sweater weather, which makes me happy. Mm-hmm. My winter wardrobe and my fall wardrobe just are so much better than my summer wardrobe. So it makes me feel much more fashionable and comfortable all at the same time. So, right. Cozy clothes. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, this week for our second spooky season documentary, we're going to go with our favorite Seth Breedlove. <clears throat> I'm sorry, you guys. I'm a little sick today. But we're going to go with his most recent documentary which is on the trail of bigfoot land of the missing this was just released this year in 2023 it's an hour and 17 minutes long i rented it on amazon Mm -hmm. and like i said directed by seth breedlove so a couple things first impressions aaron i will say this documentary is a fair bit different than some of the recent ones not recent some of the other ones we've done by seth Yeah, quite an evolution, really, because the most pronounced thing for me is they're now in front of the camera, Mm -hmm. which hasn't been a thing, at least of the ones that I have seen. I will say I did go to the Small Town Monsters website Mm -hmm. because I was looking for names of some of the other guys that were featured in this documentary and I could not find it. But they have like a fan club, like a club you can join, and they have all of the stuff listed. So then I went back to Amazon and there's like a dog man one and like Mm -hmm. some other cute ones. So, I mean, cute as in they're cute for me to watch. Surely they're um, full of purpose and all of the things that you want a cryptid documentary to be. So sorry that I called it cute. Mm-hmm. Like you say, a wiener is cute. I can't do that. It's got to be manly and very, very strong. Okay. Sorry about that. Very strong. It's pulling trucks. <laughs> it's doing tricks. Yeah. <laughs> so I think what was the most different about this one is one, Seth is narrating it himself instead of our other friend. I cannot remember his name. Lyle. Was it Lyle something? Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. He Not that he was. He was amazing at narrating as well. So mm-hmm. he was missed a little bit. But Seth is a little more serious Whereas the previous documentaries were borderline campy at times. Now, I love me a good camp. So that is not a negative thing in my world. But this one was just Mm -hmm. different. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I like both. But I wasn't expecting this. So it kind of caught me off guard. And that's always a nice surprise. Mm -hmm. I like seeing Seth because I think he's a little bit of a treat for the eyes. So. I'm not he upset is about it. Aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Good stuff. So before we start, let me ask you, where do you fall on the belief scale of Bigfoot? I'm gonna go with no. And I'll tell you why. 
mine really errs on the side of I think that they would have to have a pretty big population to keep reproducing, right? So the threshold for uh, breeding populations is 30 um, couples, like 30 breeding pairs. Everywhere, I don't know. It just seems like if it's a large ape, it's going to have to have a lot of territory, a lot of food to keep a big body going. And I just have a hard time believing that they're that populous and we haven't had one killed on a roadside. We haven't seen anything like that. I understand that the argument is sometimes made, well, you don't find every deer that dies. And I'm like, cool. But if Sasquatch Bigfoot is dying in, uh, they're like timing it perfectly. So they never get discovered. There's a hard sell for me. So that's how I feel about it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Cause they always kind of at least when you look at him in the lower 48 states, it's very much a, a single entity. He just is, it's kind of like Loch Ness, right? The Loch Ness monster. It's just one monster who happens to live there forever. Right. And it, it seems unlikely that you would have a monster living forever by himself. It's also sad. I don't want to think about that. I know. If you're a monster, you need at least one friend. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why you're a monster, because you're just lonely. And that's sad. Yes. I think we've solved it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Thank guys, God. for joining. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Um. <laughs> Thank God we're here. Now, I also will embrace, and we've talked about it before, that there are some unknowns yet in the world, right? There's still mm-hmm. some mystery in the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying... I, I need more information, I guess, if somebody is going to prove quotey fingers this to me. I'm not saying that people aren't having weird experiences. I am just saying that there's probably a different explanation for some of these things. Right. So, yeah. Well, I I do like that the stories that we tell for this documentary are a lot different than the ones that I've heard traditionally. I don't watch Bigfoot shows, hunting for Bigfoot and things like that, because I know they're never going to find it because if they did, then they'd no longer have a show. Right. So I get it, (laughs) but here we're going to Alaska. So Alaska Mm -hmm. is huge. It's mostly unpopulated. So that gives a little more credence, right? Thank you for, for them possibly being out there, having the space and not necessarily being in the suburbs with you all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense to me. And it's also interesting because they talk about the indigenous um, First Nations tribes in that that have stories about large, hairy, ape-like, man-like creatures going back hundreds of years. Absolutely. I love the inclusion of the folklore in this one. I think that that's probably my favorite part because I really enjoy folklore. I think obviously a lesson on a lot of these things like fables and stuff, but um, I, I really appreciate that they have incorporated that in a way that's not dismissive. Right. That's really Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with Seth trying to find it. So first he tries to find it to the extent that he rents a cabin on the outskirts of Denali national park and, you know, does, what all the researchers say to do. He put up trail cameras. He put peanut butter as bait in a tree. And I thought, oh, it's Bigfoot vegan. I like that. 
Well, I mean, I too would probably come up and lick a tree if I was hungry enough, if there was peanut butter on it. Yeah. I mean, just a little salt would make me happy. Yeah. It's the greatest of lures, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So he put all this out and then he waited. And to no one's surprise, there was no Bigfoot on camera. Yeah. Did anything happen, Erin? So they did have some weird shit going on, right? So there were incidents of babies crying that they heard or children's laughter. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe they had some wood knocks or just like odd sounds. So really it was just all auditory at -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. So that is the best description I have of the things that they experienced outside of Denali. Mm -hmm. And I find that interesting, but also see previous episode where they're like, it says Linda, get out. And it doesn't say that. So there are so many different animals in the woods that you could really freak yourself out pretty quickly listening to all the sounds. I imagine. Yeah. Especially at night, I think in an unfamiliar area, I think that's one explanation here. I think there are some going into some of the other stories that they tell of really experienced people in the woods who would not be super weirded out by some new and different sounds, right? Like if you have experience out in the woods, a lot of this stuff is going to fall into your experience. But I think anytime you get out of that experience is when your brain just like makes up a bunch of shit and you're like, obviously the only answer is Bigfoot. It's the most likely scenario. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, One thing we really haven't talked about at this point, but I would like to bring up is why they went to Alaska. Obviously, the terrain is one thing, but like a shit ton of people go missing in Alaska. Like everyone goes missing in Alaska is how they made this sound. Like you're up there for a good two weeks and the moment you step outside on the wrong day, you're just MIA. Um, And there are a lot of different reasons for that. But the Bigfoot tie-in is really where they're going with this. Is that a possibility? Is that a contributing factor? So I'm like, so it's a scary, uh, just wilderness. And there might be big ass monsters out there. I've been to Alaska, but I was on a boat. So (laughs) there are big ass monsters in the water too. I just want you to know. hundred percent. Yeah. So there are a lot of predators in Alaska. If you think several different kinds of bears. I believe there are polar bears there who are known to kill men. There are brown bears, huge, eat meat. There are black bears who I don't know if they eat meat, but they will destroy your ass if you get in their way, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) You have moose who aren't necessarily carnivores, but they will take you out. And they're so so big. Like I never think of them as being as big as they are until you see a video and you have something like uh, an SUV for scale and they just tower over these cars. Right. Right. Crazy. Mm -hmm. There are wolves. There are just, there are a lot of things that will kill you in Alaska, including Alaska itself. The state itself will just take you out. Your number's up. Come to Alaska. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's our new slogan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So There are some interesting just missing people stories, right? Chris Mm -hmm. McCandless Mm -hmm. is one. So they mentioned that a couple times here. Um, He was an avid outdoorsman. 
this is a very famous story. I don't know a whole lot about it other than he just kind of was in a bus or something. Like they have some shelters just kind of hanging around and they leave them stocked. Kind of like when we talked about uh, the gnome. Mm-hmm. Safety gnome, yeah. Yeah, so they have some just like little pocket areas where you can just stop if you're in trouble. And I think that's what happened to Chris McCandless. Like he was out there, he was doing his thing. Um, he really enjoyed the isolation of being way out. And he found a little uh, like a bus and he made a camp there. And eventually he ended up passing away there. And they're like, this is crazy because he was not the kind of guy you would expect to die in these kind of circumstances. And yet they're not sure if he was just like dehydrated and got weird or, you know, something, maybe a mental illness kind of caught up with him there. So there's some interesting ideas, but he is a famous story, which they happen to bring up that may have happened in a similar area. Yeah. My problem is it has nothing to do with Bigfoot at all. It is, it is, I think fairly well known. There's some mis understandings that he ate some probably poisonous seeds. Um, but I'm pretty sure that the official cause of death was starvation in the end. Like he just was not prepared to be in the middle of the winter in the middle of Alaska. And very few people are, honestly. I mean, who, who among us, right? Yeah. Not me. That's for goddamn sure. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate they bring it up, but I'm also like, why? It's probably because it's a famous story. You know what I mean? Like we're talking wilderness. We're talking Alaska. This is one of the ones Mm -hmm. that's going to pop up. I guess. I feel like they're using someone's tragedy for their benefit to a certain extent. (laughs) You know? Well, they talk a lot in here about fear and scariness cells. And I'm like, well, almost to a point where they're criticizing people for doing that. You're (laughs) like, wait, uh, (laughs) hold the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It yeah. is an intriguing story. So it is. if you're going to use that as part of the tie-in to be like, these are some of the reasons we're interested in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And then maybe trying to tie it in some other way. I agree. This is really a lead-in topic, not necessarily a rationale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They do say at one time, approximately five out of every 1,000 people go missing in Alaska each year. That's a really, really high number. And I didn't fact check that. But you didn't math it out. No, mm-hmm. I didn't math it out. But I still, <laughs> several people throughout this documentary made the comment that an unusually large amount of people go missing in Alaska and are never heard from again. It's not like they find their bodies or anything. They just disappear, mm-hmm. which seems odd. Hard to understand, right? Because I think our brains really want to know why. Mm-hmm. And we're not able to get that here. So we, again, just are making up stories about what happened to these avid outdoors people. It's not like they just drop me off in the middle of the woods and like, they're like, all right, see you in three weeks. You know, right. no, these are people who made the choice to go out there because they thought they knew what they, they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you would think you would find some trace of them, a bone, a uh, you know, a clothes or something but some of them are just nothing is ever found again right I think it's hard for us to imagine the level of wilderness this is I mean Mm -hmm. these are this it's hard to see it's like a lot of undergrowth and stuff like that this is not like when I go on hiking trail and 
like a national park here or whatever, mm-hmm. this is a different kind of wild. And it's hard for us to understand that if you fall down, you're just never heard from again. <laughs> it's like <laughs> nothing sticking up over the ferns or whatever. And you're just lost forever. Yeah. The plants just maybe, maybe it's the plants that are taking people and eating them essentially. Oh, that's what happened in the maze of uh, Goblet of Fire, right? From the Triwizards Championship? Yeah. Yeah. The bushes just eat you. Yeah. I like that I'm refuting this or adding to with a completely fictional (laughs) reference. (laughs) I mean, it's on topic. Right. So they talk about throughout this, they talk to several people. Some have firsthand accounts. Some have tribal stories that they've grown up with. And so Seth is just trying to determine what he believes, right? Uh, can he get enough factual information to believe for or against the Bigfoot being real, right? So let's talk about some of the lore and some of the stories, right? Okay. So a lot of lore of different types of Bigfoot, which I thought was interesting in this. I'd never considered that. Mm-hmm. So there's lore of something called the Hairy Man, most notably beginning with killing prospectors. Mm-hmm. So these are darker stories than my Harry and the Hendersons back in the day, which I loved. <laughs> that's a, like a benevolent Bigfoot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So these are stories of babies crying or whistling and you are attracted to come into the woods where they nab you and you're never heard from again. Mm-hmm. A lot of stories about women and children specifically being taken away. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you right now, if I heard a baby crying out in the woods, I'd be like, somebody better feed that baby. <laughs> Cause I'm staying in my tent or my yeah. cabin or whatever. I'd be like, that's why you don't take kids camping. Sorry about you. Yep. Absolutely. Draw me out, everyone. Okay. Now, if I heard a hurt dog, I might go out. That's different. (laughs) That's a great point. You're like, I'm sorry, Lassie, who's stuck in a well? Like, whatever, like you, I'm running out there. Absolutely. So we talk a lot about fear being a powerful storytelling tool, which I think Seth would be well aware of. Yes. Right. Fear cells. So I think that's one of the things that really was interesting because my stories that I've always heard of Bigfoot have always been, like you said, they're just like crossing the road or they, they're afraid of you more so than you're afraid of them. Blah. But not here. In Alaska, they have multiple stories from multiple tribes and people who are like, this thing will eat your ass and not in a good way. So <laughs> stay away. <laughs> Because it's bad news. So what are some of the stories that we hear? Okay. There's a guy named Norm Soley who kind of discusses the the subculture or almost the kind of exaltation of people going missing in the woods. Um, He discusses very briefly, there's a story in 87 of a hiker that goes missing and all they ever find is the campsite. And that seems to be pretty standard. Maybe there's not necessarily identification, but the area is right. Like geographically, they're like, this was probably 
Steve's campsite or whatever, but it's not like they find his ID in there, but they're kind of making some assumptions, but this is not uncommon. And I think that that's terrifying. A little bit more in depth story comes from a guy named Shandy Knight, which I'm like the name Shandy. Thank you. That is fucking awesome. So he discusses being about 11 or 12 He's out camping with some of his male family members. He talks about being a kid who grew up in the city and then he's kind of adopted by somebody else and they're very much like outdoorsy. So they're taking him out to get him uh, kind of a new perspective, which I think was really cool. And he decides, this is Shandy again, um, he's going outside a camp. I believe he's grabbing some firewood and he feels watched. So he like books it back into camp. He says he like goes and lays down and I'm hoping he was like, Hey, didn't feel good out there. And then he goes and lays down. (laughs) (laughs) Something's out there guys. Go check it out. Yeah. Maybe a heads up. Mm -hmm. So camping with his dad and Frank, who's his brother, who's evidently like the hugest guy ever. So Frank gets up and like grabs a knife or something and like runs out into the darkness and he's super fast and like, He's chasing something and they have, I don't know, kind of a a nemesis moment. (laughs) One is by a, like a big rock wall and Frank can kind of see the outline of it. And maybe they're throwing stuff at each other, like of escalating size or whatever. And Frank's like, shit, this thing is big. So he like runs back to camp and they're hearing a lot of stuff going on around camp, but they don't see anything per se. And um, Shandy remembers that his dad being kind of freaked out. And that was the thing that really bothered Shandy because his dad was like, grew up out here. Right. So a harrowing tale for certain. They, they were fine. They got out. Okay. Not everybody in these stories does. So this is a little bit of a story, a, a cautionary tale, perhaps. I have a couple issues with the story. Let's hear it. First. There's the dad and his two sons. And the dad sends one of his sons out to chase this thing. And I'm like, what parent does that? Like, I'm going to sit here. You're bigger than me, Frank. Why don't you go take care of it? That is horrible. One. What were you going to say? I'm refuting your statement. Okay. We both know that if I was out there, I would have (laughs) to send one of my children because they're far faster and more agile than me. Okay. I'm okay. They're sending me out as an appetizer. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that one. <laughs> My next problem is that when Frank comes back and they're all like, this thing is out there and they're terrified. Do they leave? No, they do not. They stay for another night. Who does that? That's not self-preservation. They don't discuss how they got out there. So if you're walking out, maybe you're going to stay by that firelight. I don't know. They didn't talk about that But he says they stayed part. another night. Oh, they did stay another night, yeah. So it's not like they waited for daylight and walked out. They were just like, well, we're here. This was on our calendar, so this is what we're going to do regardless. I don't... <laughs> just Look, seems not right. You have an appointment on your calendar. You're staying, okay? It's, it's inked in. <laughs> it's legit, yeah. Right. Okay. <sighs> Those are my issues. Not that I don't think that Shandy had a terrifying encounter with something. Mm-hmm. But he is somewhat removed from it at this point in time. So I think it might have been skewed. Just a thought. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Next, we talked to Heidi Worley, and I didn't get a reason we were talk to, talking to her. She seems to be really educated about folklore, so I'm going to guess she's a folklorist. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh boy, Nanatak. Okay, so we'll go with that name. Some of these are lovely, you know, first people's names that I can't pronounce because I'm a terrible American, but um, so I'm going to do my best. So that is one. Um, Bushman, Gilliac, Harriman. These are all common names. Um, some with distinction, right? Because the Gilliac is known as the cannibal. Mm-hmm. But if you're eating a different species, that's not cannibalism. Unless Just they consider them kind of like hairy people, then it's kind of like eating us would be cannibalism. I don't know. I Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, these are like very small <laughs> stupid issues and I'm like wait a second yeah semantics so there's a lady named Lois Jones talking about some of these are physical but also have a spiritual element and they are able to kind of disappear and reappear so maybe not wholly solid form unless they just want to be um so that again kind of dips into your folklore bits there yeah there's a lady named Jessie and she discusses that a lot of times the natives don't really want to talk about Bigfoot because if you talk about Bigfoot, you're going to draw attention from the Bigfoot and then your ass is in trouble. So it's like Fight Club. We don't talk about it. Mm. You don't say Candyman in the mirror five times either. We all know this. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. It's It's interesting because we have... We have other people who come in. Alexander was one of them. He's also pretty to look at. And he was talking about how it's possible that something happened. Someone went into the woods and something happened. And then Mm -hmm. this becomes a cautionary tale to protect others from going into the woods and getting hurt or injured or killed by animals or whatever. So that seems a very likely story of how do we keep the kids from going out. I mean, I've seen the movie, the village. It's exactly what they do. (laughs) So tell them that Bigfoot lives out in the woods and kids won't go in the woods. So then they won't get hurt. Right. Right. It's the same way that urban legends are formed, Mm -hmm. which I thought was an interesting, I was really glad we'd done killer legends some weeks ago. Cause Mm -hmm. I thought now we know how these things gain traction. Mm -hmm. I have some beef with, there being so many stories of not wanting to send the women or the children, like nobody goes out in the woods. And I'm like, but the women are the gatherers. Like also they're smart. So I was like, that seems like a sexist thing. You know, the women out there. (laughs) Or what I thought was there's a huge issue colonization and they still have an issue with native women being taken, being killed, being raped, and they don't do anything about it. So is it possible that even though this was a made-up monster, that having other people come in and take your women and children was a legitimate issue? Because it has been an issue throughout history of Europeans coming in and doing that, right? Okay, I love that explanation. Um, That makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) Like, those fucking women can't be trusted not to, like, go out in the woods, and I'm like, God damn it. I, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I think they uh, they treated their women okay. I don't know. I, all, all tribes are going to be different, so I'm not sure. I'm going to go with they adored their women. 
that makes me happy. So they wanted to protect them. I mean, yeah, I hope so. That again, I love that as we, as white folks have no culture, we just ruin everything we come across. Fucking everything. They do talk about part of the issue about taking the women is they're not just taking them for a quick snack. They're taking them to like breed with. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) just calm down. And there are stories of hybrid Mm-hmm. Um, offspring and I'm like mm. again there are some physical constraints to uh, the birth canal and if you've got something <laughs> real real big it's not going to work out well yeah just they, thought. they mentioned at one point like 13 14 feet tall and I'm like yep nope that's not going to fit it's not going to nope. fit <laughs> no it's not going to work out and I'm pretty sure they weren't doing c-sections but nonetheless um, I guess they could kill the mother in the process and just rip that child out I don't know. If you don't want to keep her around. Uh, there was a, there's a movie where they do that. And I don't want to talk about it. It was like a horror movie and they like mm. had women and like uh, some mutants. I'll figure it out later. Anyway, that's sure. what it reminds me of. That's what I need Terrifying. to watch. Okay. Michael Thompson mm-hmm. is a historian. Quotey fingers. I don't know. They don't tell me. Mm-mm. He's discussing the oldest sightings. We're talking Valdez Glacier doing some survey work during gold rush time. So 19, no, 18 and 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tale goes as the sun was attacked by a glacier demon and the father returns to tell the tale. So the son was attacked and then he was reattacked and strangled. The father makes it out to tell the tale to everybody. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing is they're talking about, well, how could we cor- uh, corroborate this? Which I'm like, appreciate, right? Facts. That's what I want to hear. I'm like, well, it's hard to do that because they didn't really name anyone. Like, a guy was named the Old Swede. I'm like, hard to track him down. And I'm like, (laughs) check and double check. The reason I like this one and I want to talk about it is they they say that these stories are probably captured in the Library of Congress because this was government-sponsored work. And that makes me laugh. I... Love that there's Bigfoot shit in the Library of Conference. Yes. I bet there's a lot of really fun shit in there that we just don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to sponsor us to go look for it, uh, let us know. I'll be into that. Here for it. Yes. I will use Mm -hmm. my PTO for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there are stories from the 30s and 40s where miners wouldn't go on the other side of a river because they had stories that on the other side is where these creatures lived or they had seen Cody Finger's caribou being taken or what's the difference between a caribou and a moose? Do you know? I'm sure they're just completely different, but they are. They're different species. Even like a caribou and a reindeer are different. Um, All grazing animals, but I don't think moose are herding animals. Mm. I mean, Mm. they're all chubby deer in my opinion. We'll just go with that. Yes. They're all so fluffy. (laughs) Yeah. Love that. There's a story that Jesse tells about Bigfoot took a person and is dragging him across a river and the person drowns in the process. So he just lets him go. And I know. He keeps like, going. He only likes fresh snacks. That's he can't true. have a sog- soggy waterlogged snack. Mm-mm. No soggy bottoms. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, fuck. We meet someone named Fred Roll, who is First Nations. 
he talks about in the village there were a couple people so i think there were like three cats who went to this cabin in the woods they were going to get this cabin ready for an elder for hunting season and they go there they get it ready pretty quickly then they have a couple days they're just going to hang out chill drink i'm going to guess there were drugs involved just because of the story that <laughs> was told and they're there and they hear noises they hear noises on the roof noises that lure them out so one guy goes out he gets snatched up the next guy goes out and gets snatched up so they clearly aren't paying attention the third guy sees this happen he apparently like runs off but turns around we've learned from the bible you never turn around and he sees these things like ripping his friends apart like physically ripping into their stomachs in that yeah and i like that fred was like listen when i first heard the story i was like sure jan that sounds like <laughs> but when he talked to this person who was the surviving member and he listened to him tell the story he's like he believes it whether or not it's real this person believed that's what happens because he's clearly haunted by it right these are remote villages oftentimes in these stories they're not necessarily taken seriously. They're not necessarily investigated. It's always kind of written off as like, you're drunk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the deaths are real. Mm-hmm. Like the people just never came back. Um, and this is really the only accounting. But yeah, if you know somebody and they are forever changed by a crazy ass experience, I think it gives some level of realness, like, you know, levity or whatever. No, not levity. Um, <laughs> not levity, no, not levity. <laughs> Some believability, gravitas. Maybe. Yes, that's gravitas. a better word. Um, gravitas. So, yeah, Fred said that that really helped him at least understand that this person, this was their reality. It's terrifying. Yes. yes. And then there's a pretty famous story about an abandoned town, uh, Portlock or Port Tatum. Chatham, Chatham, it's called several different things. The legend is that the town was consistently being attacked by a Sasquatch. And everyone just finally left. They just couldn't deal with it anymore. But Lois tells us that it's a little bit different. Lois and Heidi kind of go back and forth. It was a beautiful town. There are about 300 people there in the summer. I think less in the winter, obviously. And... There was chrome that they were mining. I didn't know that was a mineable thing, so that was new to learn. And there was a fishery. And people just started abandoning the fisheries and the mines when there was still mineral to to be mined and there were still fish. You know, it's not like they completely depleted all the resources and, and then were gone. These resources were still there and they all just left. Which sort of indicates, I mean, again, we talked about correlation, right? If there's still a viable resource there, people are unlikely to leave. So I think that that's interesting to discuss. The other thing is, this was in the 40s and 50s. This is when people start to move back to the cities. So that might have been an influence as well. Like, this is when they're kind of trying to look for other 
uh, like alternative explanations for things. There were some tales of people being mauled, like mutilated out in the woods. And I remember Alexander again, who's like, could have been logging accidents that like left people messed up out there because it doesn't look like the safest of occupations. So he, you know, again, trying to look for some other explanations. But yeah, it seems serious for a town to be like, look, I value my neck. I'm going to get out of here before I get ripped apart on the edge of town. Yeah. Well, and it didn't happen overnight. It They said it was about a 15 year period that this town just was abandoned. So it just makes me think of Roanoke where people are like, oh my God, what happened? There was just one word, Crota. When in reality, they had just, it's not like they left food mid meal. They had picked up and left because you know, what they needed in that town was no longer there or whatever, for whatever reasons, they moved to different locations. But it's so much more fantastic to say the town was abandoned and we have no idea what happened. Yeah. And maybe that was at a time where not everybody could read and write. So it's not like they could just tack a note in the door, like be back in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. they did take the time to uh, scroll shit on a rock though, or whatever, like that mm. whole legend. Mm-hmm. So Heidi tells us a little bit about other cryptids at this Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. What else we got up in the Alaska? So there are a couple things. We've got giants, the Sasquatch, like we've said. Bushmen, which are like non-contact tribe, but they're not Bigfoot. They're also said to kidnap people and keep them for exactly seven years. That's really specific. My favorite is little people. So. They just say little people. How little? I don't know. They show pictures of little monkeys. And I don't think they're necessarily monkeys because no one said they look like monkeys. They just said little people. But Seth has interpreted that as little monkey people. Right. They're said to be impish, a bit mischievous. They don't necessarily like people. Um, They're not the benevolent forces that, you know, whatever. There's some stories about somebody's house being surrounded and then like the wife was seeing him first and of course she can't be trusted so it really kind of solidified when the husband finally saw whatever the fuck this thing is thank god a man's killed yeah i mean uh, so many words to say about that (laughs) uh but they said they like peeled out as you do they came back some years later and all the trees on the little homestead were dead so there's proof Yeah, they attribute that to the little people. I attribute that to ground contamination of some sort. But what do I know? They're probably mining nearby and it just contaminated all the soil. Uh, There are also fungus and things like that Mm -hmm. that attack trees. Mm -hmm. But it was just so funny to me that the wife was freaking out. and The husband was like, you're stupid until he saw it for himself. And he was like, we got to (laughs) go. God damn it. Yeah. So what else do we have in Alaska that could possibly be part of this. So there's some interesting crossover. Mm-hmm. I have that Jesse specifically speaks on this because not only is she a Bigfoot enthusiast, I don't know if that's the right term, but she's also researching UFO stuff because look, if one weird ass thing happens to you, all the weird ass things happen to you. So a lot of these sightings come in conjunction with Weird ass lights in the sky, yada yada. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. There's also rumors that there are secret military bases. So there's a lot of military bases in Alaska. Uh-huh. One of them apparently is so secretive that no one has seen it. And it's called the Dark Pyramid. Which we find out a little bit later isn't something that the military built. It sounds like something they found and they're going to harness the energy or something. Because they say it's completely submerged in the ground, but it's bigger than the pyramids of Giza. So I'm like built by the Umbrella Corporation. What are we talking about here? <laughs> I was thinking like, yes, I too have seen some stranger things. Thank you very much. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like government shielded weird ass shit going on out there. Mm-hmm. These stories are so fascinating because there are people that are willing to like make little uh, groups, little mm-hmm. search parties, if you will, to go out and look for this stuff. And I, so interesting. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. That's how I know I'm going to get abducted. Yeah, absolutely. What are you going to do if you find it? So say you see it, then what? You either die because they say it's so secret of the military is willing to kill you to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. Or you come back and tell everyone and no one believes you anyway. So Yeah, you sound like you're nuts. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, a kid, I call him a kid. I'm assuming he's young. Uh, named Nathan Campbell went out in June of 2020. He was dropped in with supplies for several weeks when the plane, helicopter, people, whomever came to retrieve him. He was nowhere to be found. He was going to look for the Dark Pyramid, but he was nowhere to be found. His supplies were still there. The tent that he had the supplies in was still there. And my understanding is they still have no idea what happened to him. And Heidi also talks about a similar story. Like they were going to take a group out, but it was COVID times and you couldn't be outside with other people. That was, that was weird. But anyway, she too mentions that somebody, there was a designated person to go out and look and uh, mysteriously vanished. They never, she, at least she doesn't directly use this person's name, but I'm making the connection that it's the same person. I thought so, it was. I thought it was the same okay, person. Okay, good. Yeah. So something else that Heidi says, she says she thinks the government is trying to cover Sasquatch up and that the army training includes safety from Sasquatch. Like this is what you do if you see a Sasquatch. Like that's trained and um, that the government is protecting the areas to try to keep people away from Sasquatch. And I thought that's fucking adorable that you would think the government would use this shit to their advantage, try to make money off it, try to use them in war or something. Right. We would totally know about it. You can't keep a secret. You can't keep a secret with more than three people. Period. Oh, Yeah. I think it's funny that she doesn't think that if we found something that was in our way, we wouldn't completely exterminate it instantly. Like we can't be bothered. Mm -mm. Like this is the only time that we were like, Ooh, the environment. Absolutely not. No, Uh, we don't give a fuck about that. Mm -mm. So, but I do like the fact that I like the idea that there are ex military people hanging out in Alaska and they're like, I mean, we did a computer training about what to do. And you run into Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. Um, our risk management says, 
<laughs> you know, make like, yourself you just big throw, and scream. Right. You throw your snacks at it mm-hmm. and then you go the other way. Mm-hmm. I've had a pretty good granola bar. So that's what it would take. I think 100%. one of the things that I have seen is the CDC at one point in time had put out information on what to do to survive a, a zombie attack. <laughs> and in reality, it was just really good information for if there's like war or if there's something, these are good things to do, but they framed mm-hmm. it as a zombie attack to make people get more involved, actually want to read it. And so I'm guessing it might be similar. If there was Sasquatch training, it was probably just like a bear. Like this is what you do if you run into a bear. Right. How could this be applicable in other? Uh, do you think the CDC or whoever it is, is giving like more credit to people than should be assigned? Like, <laughs> Yes. That they wouldn't think that the CDC really knew about zombies. Yeah. Right. Have mm-hmm. they heard of War of the Worlds? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder if there's a documentary about that. We had to do that sometime. That would be interesting. That yeah. My understanding is it wasn't quite as bad as people made it out to be, but mm-hmm. you know, they they focus on the small pockets of tangible fear and go with it. Right. So. Right. Still interesting. Uh-huh. Interesting um event for sure. Yeah. But when Heidi's talking about, you know, government protection of the Sasquatch, even Seth was like that seems a stretch. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's difficult to, I, I agree with you. I just don't believe in that level of conspiracy. It takes a lot of effort to keep a secret. And so we're not very good at that. So mm-hmm. no, no, you get two beers into someone and they're talking nonstop. <laughs> That's all it takes. That's right. That is right. Shall we talk again about, Fred rolled. Fred discusses another story that he personally was involved in. Another incident where they went out into the woods. There was some preparation of a cabin for hunting season. I get the impression that this cabin hadn't been used in a long time, like say 10 years. So they get up there. I don't know how it's still standing. It's the large, large uh, footprint of eight by eight. It's just, it's like tiny this little cabin. So their elder made them dinner just after dark. The cabin kind of shifts and they're all like, the fuck? So they're thinking it's a bear. They go outside with their guns and a spotlight just to kind of get eyes on it to make sure, you know, what they're dealing with, which I can get behind 100%. So they see three pairs of eyes shine and just a huge sense of dread. So they're like, this is fucked up. They go back inside. They see a face through a gap in the, I don't know, if you've moved the cabin on its axis, it's probably like the foundation's fucked. And so now you've got gaps in the wood and whatever. They see like a giant face and they're like, oh shit. So they're kind of trying to stay inside. They're trying to chill and like not provoke anything. They're getting their escape plan together. And eventually, as the danger continues to escalate, they do make a run for it. They're trying to get to the boat at the little river that they're very close to. And as they get in there, Fred narrowly misses uh, a rock to the head and they're able to get away. So he said, it is absolutely terrifying. It is a very large creature, very, very dark. 
hair like black and I think it really made an impression on him because it was so black like it just seemed to be absorbing the light around it which almost gives it a supernatural quality like that's the shit I would read in a Dean Koontz book so yeah very terrifying he this is Fred believes that he shoots this thing um, he says it doesn't really affect it. It just keeps coming. He was like, I heard it hit flesh. And if you're a hunter that you probably, there's probably a sound associated with that. So again, I'm not going to shit on him for that. Uh, Fred is not sure why they weren't finished off at the cabin. He said it could have taken them at any time. Like they didn't really have protection from this thing. So he is unclear why he made it out when it seems that they had uh, the upper hand by far, but he seems to be pretty affected by this. Pretty scary. Yeah. One of the other things he said was he didn't understand why they were attacking because, you know, Fred and the other two were not, you know, being disrespectful to the land. They weren't really trespassing or anything. And I'm like, that's adorable that you think that a predator (laughs) would think, well, they're being nice. We'll let them be. There's definitely a, an assignment of intelligence to Bigfoot, right? Mm -hmm. Not human intelligence. Somebody specifically says they're not, they're doing math, but they're human-like, a lot of human-like qualities. Mm -hmm. So almost like a guardian of the forest kind of connotation. I get a lot of this. So to me, that kind of plays into some of that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of one more story that they tell, which you know, Seth is still not really convinced. He doesn't really have really hard evidence. So he goes into the story thinking, this is it. This is the evidence. So I go into it thinking, this is it. This is the evidence. And then I'm sorely disappointed per the norm. But there was a young kid named Billy Pope. And this is back in 1975. And apparently Billy, they had moved there, him and his dad, to Alaska from Ohio but had lived there for quite a while, was used to living in the wilderness, had a girlfriend the next town over or something, would walk over and back. Apparently it's like a three-hour walk, but that was normal. That's love, right? Yeah. In January Mm -hmm. in Alaska? (laughs) Yes. And so he goes to see his girlfriend. He should be back, but he doesn't return home. So they go out to look for him, and they find, like off the path. So they're like trails through the woods that he was following. And they find off the trail, kind of outside of the wooded area, a fire that had been made. I don't know that it was still a fire, but it was like wooded. There had been a fire there that he had made, or they assume he had made. And then they say there was footprints all around him. Like he was being circled. I don't know how close the footprints were. But apparently there were footprints. So they they determined, because they never found him, that Bigfoot took him. However, it snowed four feet that night. <laughs> so um, how there were any footprints, I don't know. They There was like rain and snow and then also a lot of people tromping around. So how do you know which footprints are which? But I would think Bigfoot would have pretty distinct footprints. But either way, when looking back on it, there are some friends of Billy's that are like, I don't think that was the case because, you know, again, four feet of snow covers a lot. 
Um, so how they could have seen that, I don't know. But he believes that it was almost easier for the dad to believe that that's what took his son versus that maybe he froze to death out there or whatever happened. Yes. This is told to us by specifically a friend named Jonathan, like the kind of the general story, right? Uh, there's an anonymous friend, like you said, that kind of is like, I don't really want to go on record, but I have me some doubts. So Jonathan specifically says there might have been some been this, hold on, there might have been some distortion in the tracks because it had rained and it had been snowing. And so sometimes that exaggerates things like on the ground, like your footprints or whatever. So even if there had been footprints, maybe they were, it would lead you to a different conclusion, right? So this is really circumstantial to say, well, he built that fire in a weird spot. It was just out under one lonely tree and the kid was breaking off these huge branches. It's just, again, you have to go into it with the consideration that that's what happened to make the rest of it make sense. So what I think is really sad about this story is the the family continued to experience some tragedy. Two other brothers in that family, it seems like they had a ton of kids. Tommy and Jean Jr. also disappeared. We get no details on how or why. And then Billy's mother passed away and also his older sister passed away. Now, I'm going to say I don't think it's terribly uncommon for a family that experiences a tragedy like that to have some downstream problems. Divorce being a big one between the parents. You know, if a kid dies, the parents oftentimes get divorced because of the stress. So to me, some of these other things, I mean, it's, it's just really, really tragic. Yeah, and that was a tough one to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, regardless of how he disappeared, the fact that he did at the age of 16 is very hard. You know, he's just a baby. So, um, so we kind of close out. You have Seth talking to Alexander and the other cat, which I didn't get his name. Eli, maybe? Eli, yeah. that's right. The one that was talking, mm-hmm. um, wearing a Civil War era hat of some sort. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and so they're just kind of discussing it and, and talking about, is it myth? Is it folklore? Is it urban legend? Is it real? Do they think all of these disappearances are attributed to Bigfoot? No. Do they think it's a possibility that Bigfoot does exist and could be part of the problem? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. You know, Someone said death by Alaska is real common. I think that's a really good statement because the state itself seems to be trying to kill everyone in it. So whether it's Sasquatch or not, something's going to get you. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I liked that Seth made the point. If you tie Bigfoot to all the disappearances, somebody would have killed one. Um, They would have had more evidence. So they're like, you know, kind of statistically, the more interaction you have with the more contact this had, there's going to be some kind of proof, mm-hmm. which I, I liked the introduction of that logic. Mm-hmm. Does that made sense to me? So they're not saying no, but they're saying, you know, what we did here is not conclusive. 
Right, right. We just got stories. We didn't see anything. We're just listening to what other people have experienced. Either way, you should have a healthy fear of the wilderness. Give it some respect. Maybe take a compass. <laughs> yeah. And a granola. Maybe learn how to use it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So there's no conclusive evidence one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that. I, I would actually lean towards there's conclusive evidence against Bigfoot existing. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, uh, I will be shocked if when they find out what they want to find out. It's it's the same argument for a lot of these cryptids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still opinion-y for me, like still opinion-based. It's not fact-based. So mm-hmm. it's tough. Right. I think if we're going to go supernatural, my best guess would be that these cryptids are more alien-like, so they can come and go and maybe not be here forever, but they just get seen every now and then. I don't know. Which is nice because, of course, that UFO tie-in, that'd be lovely. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, there's a tie-in with the Mothman. There's a tie-in with everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, have you seen the movie Willow Creek? It's a 2013 movie by Bobcat Goldthwait. I think I have. Okay. But it's been a long time. I maybe recommend. Um, that's a good Bigfoot movie to watch. It's fictional. I mean, whatever. I'm not saying like, it's kind of shot in a different way, kind of like uh, Blair Witch. You know what I mean? Um, but I thought it was creepy and I liked it. So it's a nice little horror jam if you're so interested after listening to us today so yeah i'd like to hear if anybody's seen it and what you thought um so yeah and i i think i have a little love in my heart for bobcat so <laughs> oh me too we go way back yeah. we go way back yeah 100 percent. Hmm. okay who's your honorary aaron this time around my honorary Aaron is a aaron this this week it's going to be alexander because he brought some oh, logic oh. And he was pretty to look at. (laughs) Word. Mm -hmm. Um, I went a little different. I went with uh, our friend Fred. Okay. (laughs) Fred tells two big stories in this. Mm -hmm. The first, you barely can follow it. There's like a lot of he, him and all this stuff. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what are you talking about? (laughs) The second one of which he was involved was a much better story. And I thought, you know what? Growth. Growth in 2023. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. You gave me what I, what I needed today. So, <laughs> Love it. I absolutely love it. Yep. All right. Okay. Whew. I really like that one. That might have been one of my favorite Seth reloves that, that I've seen. So I really like them too. Like, um, I, I just really like seeing the guys in front of the camera this time. And their graphics are so much better. So much better. Yeah. Even I too love the campy ones. I mean, that will forever be in my heart, but these were, uh, they just have evolved so much. So I think I might like rent and watch some of their other stuff. Right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like they've really evolved and, and this seems more like they want it to be a real world documentary versus a just super funsy kind of one. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy both, but yeah, it was, it was neat to watch this one. So, uh, when I was on their website, I noticed that they do some of this through Kickstarter. 
Yeah. So if you're so inclined to go to us, the Small Town Monsters website, and you can help out with our next project. So I thought, oh my God, <sighs> Christmas is coming, Erin. <laughs> I just want to give everyone cars with, you've donated to this. <laughs> you're welcome. Say it like, <laughs> oh. That'd be so on brand for us. Oh, so good. It would be. And then also a lot of times with the Kickstarter, when you donate, you get something cool in return. Like, do we get to go see the premiere? Do we get a, what do we get for being partial producers? Mm. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but I did want to mention that I had found that little nugget and I was so excited to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> go Doc Yourself will now be an official sponsor of Seth Breed Love. I think so. I think that's, I think <laughs> it's, it's really a nice uh, merge. Yes, so. indeed. Mm -hmm. Okay, what are we doing for week three of Spooky Month? Okay, I don't know if you've heard of a cat named Stephen King. What? Who's that? I know. Who are him? Um, <laughs> so we're going to do a documentary called King on Screen. This is a 2022 documentary. It's rentable on the Prime and possibly free on YouTube. We have not confirmed that. However an hour and 45 minutes. And yeah, he's kind of a, a master of horror. If you can get through the books, <laughs> there are some or really not. good ones. I tried to read Tommy knockers. I've tried a couple times and I really wanted to love it, but I can't get through it. And so that's a me problem, not a him problem, but still. Right. I love his short stories. I can't read his novels because he puts in a lot of stuff that have nothing to do with the plot. And that to me, I'm a skimmer. And so if I'm skimming chapters because I feel like this is not adding anything, then it, then mm -hmm. it's, again, that's a me problem because I know people who love having all of that detail and information. It helps them build their world. Sure. Um, but it's just not my jam, but I love his movies. Agreed. And I think he's definitely had some influence on the horror genre. So I think this mm -hmm. is uh, certainly, I think the King title and the name, nice matchup. Mm -hmm. uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, come visit us on the social medias. Come visit us on our website at godarkyourself.com. And I hope you're having a great spooky month and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Later. Bye. Bye.